Speaking of fire, yeah, one of my sons thought he was going to light a, he tried to light a fire in the basement, one of my houses. Yeah. Yeah, boys like fire. So, <laughs> we, uh, we started a series last week uh, called Stories That Changed the World. And these are stories that Jesus spoke. Stories have the power to change people's mind, open their eyes to the reality, uh, a different reality, maybe one that they had not considered. And interestingly, Jesus spoke things which uh, we call parables that do just that. They, they were used and intended to take everyday, simple, ordinary, everyday things that people went through, gardening and farming and money and this and that, and apply spiritual principles to them to open people's eyes to what God was doing in his kingdom and, and the way the kingdom operated, helping people understand principles in his kingdom. And, and last week we talked about one that some scholars call the parable of parables. And um, it's, it's referred to commonly, or I refer to it as the parable of the soils. And the parable of the soils really addresses by Jesus the condition of our hearts and the ability of our hearts to receive what God, God's word is intended to do. And we saw in that parable, in that story, that um, there's times that there's stuff going on in our hearts, and our hearts are not ready to receive what God, uh, God's word intends to do in our heart. And, and so we saw the rocky places, the shallow soil, and the, thor- the, the soil that was, uh, what was, had seed dropped into it, but also had thorns growing up in it. And then there was a good soil. And so our, our whole takeaway was that we need to learn how to guard the soil of our hearts. We need to learn how to guard what's going on in our hearts. And we just touched upon a little bit last week how to do that, how to monitor our hearts. Like Solomon said um, in the Old Testament, he said, Above all else, guard your hearts, for out of it flows your very life. Out of it flows life, or another translation says the wellspring of life. And so there's stuff going on in our, in our hearts, and some of us are totally oblivious to it. Some of us are very, very aware of it. And the whole intent here is to talk a little bit about how do we become more aware and what is going on in our hearts? How do we guard our hearts? That was, that was last week. It'll carry over um, some into this week. Today I want to talk to you about one of the most American parables in the Bible. It's American because of its content. It's American because of the, the heart matter that Jesus was going after. You may recall last week that the third soil, the first two soils, the people really never connect or stay connected to God. They fall away. That's very sad. And our heart and our prayers, the people... Their, the heart of their so, the, the soil of their heart wouldn't stay that way so that they don't, they don't remain forever disconnected from God. So really, there's one soil that uh, people are connected, but they're not fruitful. And that's the one that uh, Jesus talked about where the, the soil receives the seed, but it grows up with thorns. And Jesus very specifically talked about the things that crowd out our heart. The very specifically said that there's some things that, yes, Jesus is in our heart, for lack of a better way of saying it, but there's other things there too that sort of, sort of choke out the ability 
of God's life in us to make a dramatic change in our world. And he said things like the, the deceitfulness of wealth or the deceitfulness of riches. He said the, the desires for pleasure. There's things that can crowd out the, God's word in our heart to, to choke out um, the fruit, to choke out the life so that we're just sort of surviving, you know? I believe those kind of people make it to heaven, but I also believe that they'll never be who they're, who they're called to be. They never get to the place of doing the things that God has called them to do. And I don't think anyone in this room would ever want to get there, you know? Um, so we've got to learn how to guard our hearts. I'm going to look at a parable called the rich fool, probably, in your Bible. You know how Jesus, when he was speaking to people, he could read their minds, you know, a little bit. He knew what what they were thinking. I know what you're thinking right now. (laughs) Number one, I'm not a fool. And number two, I'm not rich. So really, this doesn't apply to me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to whip out my phone. I'm going to play around with it till you say amen. And then I go home and, you know, do whatever. Enjoy the rest of my day. Well, in reality, you're foolish to believe that way. I won't call you a fool, but it's foolish to believe that way because, um, number one, the funny thing about riches is it never applies to us, right? You know, it's the other guy, it's the other family, it's that other person over there. And the funny thing about riches is it's a moving target. Like, you can make twice as much today as you did last year, but you're still not rich, you know? it's, It's always the other person that's rich. Now, I don't know exactly how Jesus measured riches. This would be my guess when you have more than you need. That's, that's how I think he would measure riches. You have more than you need. Now, we measure riches in a different way than Jesus did. We measure riches like this. We look at other people and we say, I don't have what they have. Or I don't have the ability to get what they have. So they're rich and I'm not. And the funny thing about this moving target of riches is that, you know, when we, there's never going to be a payday that makes you feel like you crossed the line. Like, okay, I wasn't rich until now, but now I am. There's never going to be that day where you say, okay, now I'm there. Jesus could have been measuring riches in the sense of, Look at what you have compared to everyone else from a perspective of, you know, in our nation, we are the wealthiest nation on the face of the planet. Um, Statistics say that if you have, if you make $33,000, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. If you make $80,000, you're in in the top 0.1% of wage earners in the world. And yet many of us who fit into any of those categories would say, I'm not, I'm There's no way I'm rich. Other people in other countries would say, if you have a car, you're rich. And if you have two cars, you're really rich. And if you have two cars that you can park in garages, you are really, really rich. But none of us are rich. So anyway, let's let's look at this like blank slate thinking. Like, could anything that Jesus teaches really apply to me at all? Because we could easily disqualify us and say that doesn't, it doesn't 
uh, it doesn't apply to me. So I don't call this the story of the rich fool. I call this the person Jesus called a fool. Because we don't want to be called a fool by Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at Luke chapter 12 and see if there's any principles that we can glean out of this story. Luke chapter 12. Because you're going to find in this that Jesus is going after one of those thorn bushes that tends to crowd out the stuff that's going on in our heart. He goes after one of those things, the deceitfulness of riches, because there really are There really is deception tied to riches. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. And I want to emphasize those two words, watch out. It's sort of like the alarm going off, the siren. You see the light spinning. You know, this thing just all of a sudden popped up. Watch out. Be on your guard. What do we got to guard? We got to guard ourselves against all kinds of greed. Why? Because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus gives us a warning, and he gives us a principle. A warning and a principle. So this guy comes to him, and, you know, it, it seems very neutral at best if you look at it. Okay, so this guy, uh, he comes and his, apparently his brother is in the, in the crowd with him. In fact, if you look at Luke chapter 12 verse 1, it says that there are thousands of people there. This is not a one-on-one conversation. There are thousands of people there. There's all these people coming. There's all these people interested in this, this guy. Could he be the Messiah? You've got to see the things that he's doing. I mean, there's signs and wonders and there's miracles. And, and oh my goodness, you just got to hear it. He even fed thousands of us one day. It's amazing. And, and there's this just big crowd, this big attraction to go and hear this teacher Jesus and what he has to say. And as people went to hear this teacher Jesus, Jesus, in unique fashion time and time again, shows us that he's not about building huge crowds. He's about winning people's hearts. And sometimes he said things that would would, uh, cause crowds to walk away. Sometimes he said things that would come across offensive. Sometimes he said things that were hard because he was trying to divide the, the true followers from the people who just wanted another meal, the people who just wanted to see another spectacle. Wanted to see something that was cool and amazing that they, they could tell the story about. And so Jesus, in response to this guy wanting the rabbi, Jesus, to do something about his inheritance, he says, that, you know, that's not, really, that's not really my place. That's not my place to deal with that, that stuff. But he uses it as a teaching moment. He uses this, this question and this request by this man as a teaching moment. Moment, He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And in essence, he's saying this. Greed is a heart disease. Greed is, greed is something, one of those things that can crowd out the passions, the desires, the fruitfulness of the word in your heart. Greed is something 
that is, is, that is something that we've got to watch out for. And the reality about greed is this. You, you can't see it in the mirror. You never looked at yourself in a mirror, walked away and says, man, I'm a greedy, thought, I'm a greedy person, you know. Or that was a greedy move on my part. It's easier to see in other people. It's easier to see in little kids, you know. I told you again, share your toys. Why do you, we've got to learn to share, right? We've got to learn to, to allow other people to use what we have. We teach our kids to share. We teach our kids to avoid greediness. And uh, we see it in other people, even adults, sometimes. Especially if we have a need and there's not a response by people around us. It's easy to come to the conclusion there's some greed in that person who, who I thought, my expectation was they should have helped me, right? But you can't see it in the mirror. It's nearly impossible and so that's why Jesus would give these kind of parables to, to help us to look sort of in, in the spiritual mirror and say, wow, wait, wait a second, you know? Uh, could there be something that I can glean from this and learn from so that my heart is not populated with thorns that choke out the fruitfulness of God's, God's word in my life? And so he, he's like, what, he, he's, he's trying to give this warning uh, about greed. And, and let me just tell you something. Greed is not a feeling. It's a refusal to act. We could say till we're blue in the face, oh, I'm so compassionate about the needy in our city. But until you do something with what you have to help them, there, it could be contrived or, or derived or concluded that there's an element of greed there, you know? I mean, if you have the ability to make a difference and choose not to, it could border on the idea of greed. Now, let me tell you something. Greed knows no socioeconomic status. I've met some of the most generous poor people, and I've met some of the most generous, excuse me, most generous rich people. Um, but I've met greedy people in both of those categories as well. And sometimes the most generous, poor, most generous people are poor people. Give the shirt off their back. Give, you know, the last 20 bucks they have in their pocket. It's interesting to see. It's interesting. So greed does not, it doesn't fall into any, any socioeconomic boundary. Um, Jesus goes on to say this, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I have three key points and a takeaway that will be in your notes. If you have the, if you have the app, you can look at them. There's some information. The scriptures are in there as well that will help you follow along. Um, my point in this, this, um, in this area is this. Life is not about our things. The principle that Jesus is trying to drive home is this. Life is not about our things. He says Verbatim, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And listen, we, most of us, don't believe that. We struggle with that. Because we think if I had more, if I got more money, if, if, I, if I got a promotion or a raise, or if I were able to live in that house or the house that that guy lives in, you know, my life would be better. 
We, we don't believe Jesus' statement, many of us, that life is not about an abundance of things. Um, and Jesus really, I, I think what he's saying emphatically is this. If you believe that, you've been lied to. You, you, you've fallen to the lie. You, you fall into the lie that the more you get, the better things get. Your life is not better when you get more stuff. You could talk to rich people. I know there's none in here, but when you find one, <laughs> talk to them. Ask them how good their life is now that they are rich. Because they'll tell you that life is still a struggle. They still have challenges. They still have problems. Relationally, there's struggles. You know, and the funny thing is about money, the way we live, the way our, our mindset is, and I think Jesus was trying to, 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 uh, to hammer on this a little bit, is you know, the more we make, the more we spend. And we, live, we, leave, we leave little margin for generosity. We leave little margin to help people. So... Uh, we make more money, we've got to get something better. We've got to get a better car. We've got to get a, a bigger house. We've got to buy more things. And Jesus was going after the heart of this to say, listen, greed creeps in and you don't even see it. You'll never see it. It's just when you see a need around you, you're not going to be able to address it because your, your expenses are so high and there's no margin left to help the needs around you, help people that have needs around you. So, uh, life is not about the things that we have. Jesus, Jesus really wants us to know we need to take care, we need to be on our guard because this can creep in. And, and some of us might be the most generous people on the face of the planet. Some of us mo- might be so, uh, so kind, so, so willing to give of things, but nevertheless, greed can creep in to even generous people. And that's why Jesus is saying, Watch out, be on your guard. The second thought I have is this. A fool's security is found in things. Let's look at uh, verse 16. Actually, let's let's back up. Before you go to 16, I have a verse that I want to share with you out of Ecclesiastes to just, I I skipped something here. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this. It really addresses greed. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. Come on. Isn't that true? Solomon, you're brilliant. Whoever, has, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. You just got to get more. You know, that's the American way. That's why this is an American parable because the reality is this, re- this reflects our nation to a T. It doesn't mean there's bad people. It doesn't mean that we're wicked and horrible. It just means that there's something going on around us that easily can consume us and and get inside of our heart and choke out what God wants to do. And so Jesus is giving us a warning. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And Jesus said this, about our desire for stuff. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You see how he ties the stuff that we have to the stuff going on in our hearts? He ties the things that inside of us to our desires for possessions and and things that are going on around us. 
So a fool's security is found in things. Luke 12, verse 16, it says this. He goes to tell, now as a result of this guy who wants his inheritance, he begins to tell a parable. Here's the parable. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. You see how he's talking to him? We talk to ourselves all the time, don't we? I've got an idea. It's got to be from God. This is, I know it. I, I, this is what I'll do. I, I uh, will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And I want to be clear about this. You know, Jesus is, is telling this parable and God's calling this guy a fool. He's not calling him a fool because he has uh, an abundance. I don't think God has issue with abundance. I think he has issue with abundance having us. And so... This guy is a productive farmer. He's, he's, got, he's already got uh, barns that are filled with grain. He's successful. He's doing well. And, and he's not being condemned for that. He's not even being condemned for having a productive harvest that specific year. And, and we need to hear this because it's not a bad thing to be a really, really good business person. Businesswoman, businessman, it's not, it's not a bad thing to be a really good employee and get recognized for it, to get honored for it, to get raises and promotions. It's not a bad thing. We're not being called fools by God for being successful. In fact, we should be successful. We should work hard. We should be the best we can be. We should give it our all, right? We, our employees should be well pleased with us because we're doing a, a good job. In fact, this, this world needs people to be successful, especially Christians who, who really honor and love God and are successful in what they do and are able to get a surplus of things. So God's not condemning that at all. We see that uh, it was his processing and his thinking in the Scripture that, that God is dealing with. Because his conclusion is, I'm going to get bigger, I'm going to store more, and I'm just going to take life easy. This is the life. This is the life I've always longed for. This is where I've wanted to be in life. I've finally arrived. I've made it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to retire and sit on the beach and sit back and drink margaritas and, and enjoy life. This is it. I'm going to step away from everything. And my responsibilities are no longer um, the way they used to be. And I can now enjoy life. See, it's not a bad thing when the land that we planted our seed on produces fruitfully. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I want you to see something. The emphasis I want to place on this verse is probably not what you think it is. The emphasis I want to place on this verse 
is then your barns will be filled to overflowing. This is God saying, I want your barns to be filled with overflowing or to overflowing. Do you see this? God saying, I want you to be blessed. I, I want my people to enjoy the blessing of heaven. I, I want my people to reap the benefits of the goodness of their God. I, I want them to see my favor, my smile from heaven on their lives. Do you see this? So this is, this is like, I would call that a verse that says, God wants us to be blessed, right? That's, that's what God desires in our life. And, and so this guy, if we could just summarize the things that he sort of concluded and his thoughts and his, his actions associated with that is, he gets blessed. I mean, this guy is rich. He's got stuff. He's got he's to he's get bigger with his stuff, you know? The bigger barns. He's got to take down the old to, get, to fill the new with something that just everything's overflowing. There's an abundance on his life. And I, I think if we were to look introspectively a little bit, you know, in our lives, America's so funny, you know. We have, we have basements filled with stuff. Sometimes we have to buy a storage locker to take care of our stuff because we just don't have enough space to take care of all of our stuff, right? I mean, we've just got stuff in America. I mean, maybe you've, 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 you've cut back a little bit. You've gotten rid of stuff. Maybe you gave it away or uh, whatever. But in general, America is like prosperous and blessed. We just got stuff everywhere, stuff that we, we hold on to stuff we know we'll never use. We've got tools, tool sets and, uh, you know, toys and this and that that, oh, yeah, you know, if, if we were challenged on it, we haven't used in years, but we're keeping hold of it because someday... Someday, maybe we'll use it. I mean, isn't this true? Come on. I, I'm, I fit into that category. I'm not, I'm not saying something bad. It's true, right? It's just, it's just the truth. It's the reality of the nation we live in. We're blessed. And, and so this guy here, he is blessed, but his thinking was unique. And this is what God is challenging. God is challenging this, and he's, he's, he's going after this idea that there is a danger that this man is missing the danger that this guy didn't even think about as he concluded that I've got it made now. I've finally crossed the line and, and I could live life. I could be fat, dumb, and happy. I could drink, eat, and be merry. Uh, you know, however you want to, to land, he, he's got it made. And the danger is that um, he, he's being called a fool because of a few points. I've got these in the notes. The first one is, he failed to recognize where his wealth came from. He gave no honor, no recognition, no, no glory to God to say, man, you know, you, you've done this for me. I mean, uh, whose land produces something and it's all they're doing, right? I mean, the farmer has to rest on the fact that the soil's got to be good and there's got to be rain and the seed's got to be good. Uh, they have to do hard work to get there. In fact, I have a great respect for farmers because it is such a hard occupation. They work so hard. But they also have to trust God. Because if God doesn't come through, their hard work doesn't yield anything. And this guy, even though in a typical sense a farmer has to trust the, 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 um, the laws of nature to kick in where, where there's production, there's... There's seed, there's, 
There's things happening, and then there's the harvest. He didn't recognize where his wealth came from. But secondly, he, he misunderstood the purpose of his wealth. See, many times we, 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 view, this, you, we view life this way too. We get blessed. You know, we are blessed. But many times we think it's for us, it's all about us, and I get to do with what I have all I want. I, I could do anything I want with what I have. And this guy's being called a fool. I think he misunderstood the purpose of his wealth. He also saw his possessions as his security in life. Security. And this is why we see on the back end of that story, those passages that I read, you know, you, you, you've put your security in your riches and your wealth. And this day, your life is going to be taken from you. And then someone else will enjoy what you work so hard for. Now, let me be very clear. I, I'm not saying, I don't even think this parable is coming close to saying that if you put your, if, if, if wealth and possessions and all that stuff uh, gets in your heart and greed becomes a, 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 um, a it takes up a space in your heart that you're going to die all of a sudden and you're going to go to hell. That's not what that passage is saying. What, it, what it's saying to me is this. The things we put our trust in, the things that we give our heart to, will ultimately be tested. And ultimately, we have to decide, is this the thing that will, will give me um, eternal security or not? Is this the thing that can help me after this life? And it would just irritate anyone who had great riches for someone who they don't even know consuming their riches, right? Someone, I mean, not your child, not your grandchild, but just anyone. Then who's going to enjoy all this wealth that you have? Someone's going to. And so we don't, we don't want to leave here thinking that Jesus is saying, you know, if you're a greedy person, you're going to hell. You're going to burn. That's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying ultimately what you've put your trust in will be tested. And ultimately, we're going to stand before God. And this guy put his trust in his wealth. I don't want anyone in this room to, to miss the point that God has a greater plan. This guy was really selfish and self-absorbed. You may not see this in the passage, but I find, as I count those verses I just read, the, if I count the words in there, I find um, in verses 16 to 20, I'm going to read 17, 18, and 19. We see five times he says the word my. We see six times he has the word I or I'll. Listen to this. And it's all about him. Like he's self-absorbed. He's, he's self-focused. It's the mindset. It's all about me. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no more place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He's, he's so focused on his wants, his desires, and where he's at. And he, and he gives no, no props to God. No recognition to God. Summarize this parable. The man portrays his problem as a storage problem. Jesus portrays this man's problem as a spiritual problem. 
There's a huge difference. Huge difference. Because he solved his own storage problem by making bigger barns to store stuff in. But he never, ever addressed his spiritual problem. That's what Jesus is trying to get to. Listen, we have a spiritual problem when we treasure things more than we treasure God. It's a spiritual problem. And Jesus is trying to bring us to that reality to say, you know, if there's stuff in my life that's more important to me than God, um, I should deal with it. I'm not going to leave here condemned. I'm not going to drag my tail between my legs. I'm just going to deal with it. I'm going to confess it before God and say, man, I see what you're saying, Jesus. I've put some stuff ahead of you. I've, I've, given, I've given a lot of recognition and honor to what I've done and what I've accomplished. And in reality, everything on the face of the planet is yours. Everything I have, everything I am, it's really yours. It's yours. And I, I see that now. I see that I'm blessed because of you. I'm not blessed because of my wisdom, my hard work. I, that does, don't get me wrong, that plays into it. But God is the one who ultimately blesses us. So I, I want you to see through this parable that, first of all, life is not about our things. Secondly, a fool's security is found in things. And here's the third one. Our thing is to be rich toward God. This is what Jesus says to conclude this passage. It says this. This is how it will be. Remember, he, he just said this very life, your, or this very night, your life will be taken from you, um, and then someone else is going to enjoy your riches. Verse 21 says, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? Well, it's obviously opposite of what this man did because this is like the driving force of this whole parable. It's opposite of treating yourself as though things were meant for you and not for God. Being rich toward God uh, means that, you know, uh, I recognize God as the one who is my provider, my source. It's the opposite of acting as if life consists in the abundance of possessions. That's his warning. Being rich toward God, we could see it in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I think this summarizes to some degree being rich toward God. It says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust or vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Our investments, our, 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 our passions, the things that we do with what we have. Jesus is saying we need to have some level of eternal focus on these things. I mean, we all, listen to me, we all like toys. We all like stuff, right? We all, uh, I remember, you know, when we're talking about riches, I, I remember I've never, I would never say I'm rich, but I know I felt rich at times. I felt rich when I brought a brand new car. I'm like, man, this is amazing. Driving it around, I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, making sure everyone looks at me, you know. I felt rich when I bought my house. 
And when I say I, my wife and I do everything together. It's not me, okay? Actually, I better say it differently. We, I felt rich when we bought our house, right? I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. For a long period of time, I'm like pinching myself thinking, I am so blessed. This is amazing. I'm so grateful to God. God, you've been so good to me. I don't deserve this. I felt rich when I went from, out of the Air Force, I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car for a year and a half. And then I got a, I got a new job, and I felt rich because I got a $12,000 a year raise. That was amazing. I felt like a rich man. I felt rich. But I would never say, I am rich. You know? And quickly, having four kids, I began to spend like I made $12,000 more. That's, that's the, way, the way things go. There's times I don't want to give my money away. There's times I'd rather spend it on me. There's times, you know, I have stuff and, and I know I should just give it to somebody to bless them. And then I wrestle with it. I'm like, I, don't, I just don't want to do that, I, you know? I know they could benefit for it. It's just sitting in my garage or sitting in my basement, but I, I want it. Let me tell you something. This thing I'm talking about is a problem in our nation. No one is exempt from it. But God's saying, listen, if you're going to be fruitful, you're going to have to look at your heart and see if there's any of this stuff in there. You're going to have to look at your heart and say, is there something there from, uh, that's, that's holding me back, that's, that's choking out God's word, limiting me, from being who he's called me to be. So I want to just sort of close with a, with a couple thoughts here today. See, the, the prosperous farmer, we can, we can look at his life and say, man, you know, how dare he do this? The reality is, we, we, that's his, he is us, right? He represents me. And he, re, he represents you. He represents a nation called America that has like got way more than, than they should have. I mean, think if you were born in like Mexico or some third world nation that just has nothing. I mean, people climbing garbage heaps to get food. I'm so thankful to God we're not like that, right? He, he's blessed us. We are blessed beyond belief. But I don't want a spiritual problem because of it. I don't want my relationship with God to be hindered because of it, right? I want to, be, I want to stand, stand before God as I present myself to God in the morning. I don't want there's this, you know, this thing like, son, I love you, but coming in the conversation. I want my heart to be pure before him. I want my heart to be fertile soil. And so every one of us has to look at this thing as it relates to our life. And how it, it, it impacts us. I think of this farmer and I think that, you know, if God had been his treasure more than the stuff that he had, maybe he would have done it a little bit differently. I just want to give this guy a, a little bit of, of wiggle room. Maybe, you know, maybe if he would have just said, God, this is all yours. And I, I thank you for blessing me the way you did. And I've got all this grain. I don't know what to do with it. I just don't know. 
I mean, do I let it rot? Do I give it away? Do I keep it for myself? Do I build bigger barns? I mean, just giving God a a space, an inch to say, you know, I'm blessed. And I want to do with what you've given me. I want to do the right thing with what you've given me. Here's here's our application. I just want to close with these few thoughts. I think the message has been good up to this point, but now you're not going to like me. I'm just going to give you a fair warning. See, greed is, greed is really a fear that God's not going to take care of us. I've got to take care of myself because, you know, it's not that God is unable to take care of me, but he's only promised my needs, not my wants. And I'm going to be greedy because my wants are higher than just my needs. Sort of stinks. So here's, here's my final thought. Giving conquers the fear that is feeding your greed. It helps to overcome it. He helps to break the power of that fear that God's not going to meet me where I'm at. He's not going to take care of what I've got. So in our family, in our home, we do our best to try to be generous. We try, we try to be generous with one another. We try and be generous with the church and people who are doing the work of the Lord. It starts, it starts the basis of it all is, is tithing. That's a swear word in some people's minds. But the reality is, you know, tithing is this. Giving a tenth of what God has given me back to him, back to his work back to his local church so that the church can make a difference where and accomplish the vision that God has called it to. That's tithing. In the farmer's context, you know, the farmer, if he would have just given anything, I think he would have been good. Some of us struggle with tithing, and I would challenge you, you know, go before God and say, God, this is a struggle in my heart. This thing's choking out fruit in my life. And I want to be fruitful. And I want to learn to trust you. Tithing says, you know what, God? You could do more with my 90% than I could do with my 100. It's a trust factor. It starts with tithing. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't end there. Listen, we look at the scriptures. And practically speaking, if you had two children and one person gave one of your children two cookies, you would say to that child, share that other cookie with your brother. Right? We see in the early church, the early church was like so, at least it's called out as being good at it. They, the early church, they would, they would sell their properties and sell their possessions to help out people in need. I, I, that would be amazing. I'm, I don't even know if that's my ultimate goal. That'd be cool if we got there, but... I think we've got to take baby steps and say, what is it that I'm not trusting you with? I mean, I think the church, if, if it just did basically what God called it to do, could change the world. There's always missionaries struggling. There's always churches trying to do, you know, potlucks and bake sales. Why? Because the, the body is not doing what they're called to do. 
So we've got to find other ways. We'll sell magazines or sell books or do whatever because people are, people are holding on to their grain and building bigger barns and, and taking care of their stuff. I'm not trying to guilt anyone. I'm just saying that God had a plan. It's, it's, it's amazing if that plan was executed how different the world would be. And all of us have to stand before God and say, you know, I, I don't want to be a fool. Jesus, Jesus said that there was, there's this man that was called a fool by God. And I don't want to be greedy either. I don't want any of us in this room to be greedy. So God's got a, a, a walk it out plan for every one of us. And if we just say, God, you know, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to start trusting you today. We begin to see things in our own life. Because I believe that if we choose to be a channel for God as opposed to a bowl of the blessings, we'd be a channel. Um, I wrote a couple things down. I, I, I believe firmly the, te- the scriptures teach that you will never lack. That there will always be enough in your house. I believe the scriptures teach us that there will always be something for your children and your children's children. Because if we stick to God's plan, he said that a good man will leave an inheritance for his children's children. So if I'm holding on to something that belongs to, you know, God gave me and he entrusted to me and I'm not doing with it what he told me to do, then my children's children might not be blessed. But if I'm doing what he told me to do and my children's children don't have anything, then there's something broken in God's process. You see what I'm saying? So I want to trust God. I want to trust God. And, and really, the local church would have the resources to change their world. It's time to start trusting God, man. We trust God for healing. We trust God for the supernatural. We trust God for miracles. Listen, God wants to move in every area of our lives. And he wants to rid the thorns out of the, the soil of our heart so that we could change the world. The church is called to be a force. Would you stand to your feet? The local church is the hope of the world. Amen? Amen. So I'm just going to pray that God would speak to every one of us in our own, as it relates to our own field. And we would just be obedient to respond, whatever that looks like. Amen? Father, today we we thank you for this challenging parable. God, sometimes, honestly, you know, I don't like to preach this stuff, and I don't like to hear this stuff, to be honest with you. But I know it's your word, and I know there's principles, there's underlying principles that relate to my life and to the life of the people of this church. And so I trust you. I look to you. And I ask you to move, God, that, Father, every person in in here, within the sound of my voice, God, would hear your word, that it would fall on good soil and begin to bear the fruit that you meant for it to bear. We give you the praise. I bless them, God. I, I bless them, Lord, that they're... Father, that, uh, Lord, we're all being stretched. And every time we hear the word of God, we're being stretched because we're not, we're not uh, lining up fully with the standard that you've set. So, Lord, I ask you for help. I ask that you strengthen us. I ask that you fill us more and more with your spirit and give us a resolve to say, I'm going after God. And so I bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. I give you all the praise right now. Amen.